You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. seated. So if you have come here today and you have any kind of an ailment, physical ailment, something that's bothering you, whether it's just of an annoying nature or whether it could be a life-threatening deal, would you please stand? Don't be shy. Doesn't matter how big or how small. Our God delights to heal. Our God delights to heal his people. Lord. Lord Jesus, you see your people standing before you. In our physical bodies, we have ailments and we have illnesses and we have stuff that's bothering us. Some of it's just of an annoying nature and some of it could be life-threatening. I ask you right now, Stretch forth your hand to heal. Do mighty, wonderful signs, miracles in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, stretch forth your hand to heal your people. Release your glory. Release your power. Release your might. Bring great honor to your name. Fulfill your promises. We know you delight to heal. Stretch forth your hand to heal in this place to the glory and honor of your name. Perform many miraculous signs and wonders. In the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. May be seated, and if you have a testimony, at any time during today, you come up and we'll, we'll give you a chance to share. Deb, if you'll come. The rest of us will stand. You, you should know the drill by now. We're going to honor God's word together. Deb's going to read for us Acts chapter 5, and it's a rather long passage, verses 17 through 42. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go and tell... Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named 
Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all of his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Thanks, Deb. You may be seated. Wow, there's a lot in there. That's a lot of verses. That's a lot of stuff. So this text that Deb just read for us, it's, it's like a rehash of things we've already covered in earlier chapters, especially chapter 2. So what we're going to do today is go down through these verses sort of in a running commentary format. We'll read the verses that Deb already read. I'll read a verse, and then I'll make comment on those verses, and we'll make some application. Plus, don't miss this. Throughout this passage, we want to emphasize the primary theme of the passage. There's a lot of stuff in there, but we're going to pull out a primary theme that runs through the entire passage, and it's this. The importance of the kingdom mission. Are you sure you saw that in there? Well, I'm going to try and help us see it in there. The importance of the kingdom mission. It's all about the mission. For these early believers, for this church in the book of Acts, it was all about the mission. For the church today, in many churches, it's somewhat about the mission In some churches, it's not about the mission at all. The kingdom mission that Jesus gave those disciples, which became the church, is the all-important thing. That's what God wants to drill into our thinking again today. We put so many things in our lives ahead of the mission, in the church, in America at least, and look where it's gotten us, and look where it's gotten our nation Now, we've heard all this before. We're going to hear it again. Title of the sermon is, Uh Uh-Oh. Uh-Oh. Here we go again. Acts chapter 5, 17 and 18. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. Uh-oh, or oh no, persecution. Persecution hit the church again. Everybody, are you ready? Get those fingers up. Persecution, I'm not too crazy about. This passage begins with the apostles again in trouble. They've been arrested. They've been thrown in jail, just as in chapter 2. Although then... They were just put in a holding cell to await questioning. But this time, it was the real deal. This time, it was the public jail where the real criminals are. And by the way, this time, it was all of the apostles, not just Peter and John. So I need to give a quick note to the elders of this church. We're always joking that I'm the one that's going to take the hit. I'm telling you guys, if I go down, you're going down with me. We're all going down. I'll squeal like a pig. (laughs) Although I guess jail could be tolerable if I could share it with one of you, share a cell with one of you. I choose Josh. He has the most experience. (laughs) 
He'll know what to do. Keep me safe in there, right, Josh? Anyway, they're in trouble. They're not just in a, in a room being held for questioning. Now they're in the jail. But something amazing happens while they're incarcerated. An angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Pretty neat. And more than likely, the way this is worded, it makes you think that it was just an angel. And it, it could have been, but there's much more evidence that this was not an angel of the Lord, but this was the angel of the Lord. This was the Lord himself who came to their aid. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew phrase in the Old Testament that means Yahweh, the Lord himself. And it's used quite frequently in the Old Testament. Translated angel of the Lord. If you remember when Moses approached the burning bush, it, said, bush, it says an angel of the Lord spoke to him. But it makes it clear in that passage it was the Lord himself. It was God himself. This was God himself that came down to rescue the apostles. This was most likely Jesus himself. In any case, it was definitely divine intervention at a high level. The Lord busted them out of jail. Jailbreak. God wanted them out of jail. He didn't want them incarcerated at this time. Why? Why was it so important to go to that length, a miraculous jailbreak? I don't think they were even expecting a miracle like this. And how encouraging it must have been for them. No wonder those guys were so bold and so courageous with the stuff they saw and the stuff they experienced, the mighty works and the mighty deeds of the Lord, they continually saw it firsthand, unlike most of us. We've read about it. Maybe we've heard some secondhand stories or thirdhand stories of someone who knew someone who heard from someone, but we have very little experience of this in our own lives, and I just want to make an ouch point. They experienced this stuff because they were all about the mission. That's why they lived, the kingdom mission. Why aren't we experiencing this stuff? So more important for us even than the miraculous jailbreak and understanding whether it was an angel or an angel of the Lord, more important than that is what the angel or the Lord himself said to them. And this often gets missed because we're enamored with the miraculous that we've just read. We don't want to miss this. The angel told them, or the Lord told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. After he sprung them from prison, after they've been through this ordeal, of all the things that he could have said, are you guys all right? Get out of town as far as possible. Or don't be afraid. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Of all the things that he could have said and maybe did say, all that's recorded for us is this. Go to the temple. Give the people this message of life. Which is what? That's the mission. That's the mission that we're on. Get back to the mission. Not in that he was upset with them in any way, but with an importance and an urgency, get back to the mission. Get back to telling people about me. He even tells them very specifically where he wants them to go, where he wants them to speak, and it's back to the, sign, back to the scene of the crime. And by the way, the verbs in this verse, go to the temple and give the people this message of life, are all in the imperative. If you remember back to grammar school, that means what? The imperative is a command. He didn't suggest that, you know, it might be a good idea to go back and preach again at the temple. He commanded them to go back to the temple and speak. No rest for the weary, right? Point to note here. We said, think about why God broke them out of prison. And why that would, might be so important at this time. God is very zealous about the mission. God is extremely long-suffering 
and he's very patient, and he's very merciful, and he's very forgiving. But his tone is changing as he speaks to his church about getting out there and telling people about Jesus. It's always of extreme importance in this day It's off the charts because this is what God's going to do. As sure as I'm standing here and I cannot prove it to you, we're ankle deep in a mighty move of God that may be unlike any move in the past, the Acts of, book of Acts and beyond. And God's going to do that. And he's giving fair warning to the church to be ready because when he comes, there's going to be less margin for error. And there's going to be less tolerance of sin. He's very zealous for the mission. He didn't even give these guys a break. He broke them out of jail and sent them back to the temple to start telling people about Jesus because the mission field was ripe. The harvest fields were ripe. The people were waiting at the temple to hear this message of life. And they were going to receive it. And they were going to embrace it and become part of the church. God is very zealous for that. It's the bottom line of his heart. He gives us many things to do, but everything drives towards that. We've said it before. If we're not here to save lost souls, why are we here? If we're not here to tell people about Jesus, why are we here? And that's not a negative thing. God loves us so much. God loves us so much. He wants us there. Why would our loving Heavenly Father leave us here to suffer these things? except that it's absolutely necessary to tell others about Jesus. You've heard all this before, and I've said this before. I'm so glad that God didn't take Jim Grumbine home when he first accepted the Lord, because many years later, he led me to the Lord. God is very concerned that his followers are committed, key word, people, for us the church today, that we are committed to telling others about Jesus. He goes to great lengths to protect and to promote the mission. Earlier in the chapter, he took out Ananias and Sapphira because they weren't taking this thing seriously. They were cooperating with Satan. They were putting the whole operation at risk. God couldn't have that. He had to take them out. Now he pulled a prison break and he busted his apostles out of jail to get them back to the task. He's very zealous. This is very important. And it's interesting that what were the disciples doing? They were proclaiming the name of Jesus and his teachings. This was the very thing the Jewish religious leaders, the human authorities, had forbidden them to do. And yet it's the very thing God just again told them to do. What a quandary. What to do. We know God loves constituted authority. And we know God gives us direct commands to obey. And those two sometimes come in opposition with each other, come into conflict with each other. What to do. So at daybreak... The apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and they immediately began teaching. Uh-oh. They're back at it. Here we go again. This is not going to go over well with the authorities because what's implied here is they are teaching in the name of Jesus. They are proclaiming the name of Jesus. They are proclaiming that there's eternal life and salvation in his name and in his name alone. What happens next? The high priest and his officials arrived. They convened the high council. They sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail. But when the guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and they reported the jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. No, obviously no one was there because God broke them out of jail. He wanted them back on the mission. I guarantee you the religious leaders are not going to be happy about this. I bet they're even going to wonder if this thing with these followers of Jesus is ever going to end. 
They got rid of Jesus, and they thought they were in the clear, and now they got all these little Jesuses on the scene that they have to deal with. I bet they're going to say, will this thing ever end? When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed and they wondered where it would all end. Told you. They were perplexed and they were wondering, where is this all going to end? When will this ever stop? And unfortunately for these religious leaders, the news is about to get worse. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. Yeah. OMG. What? They are right back at it. They're even in the same location where they had been arrested yesterday. I would have headed for the hills and left my elders to deal with it. Not only were they missing from jail, very perplexing. Jail was all locked up. How that happened? They're back in the temple in the same spot, preaching and teaching the same people about Jesus again. And this would have been extremely audacious on their part, on the apostles' part. That would have been extremely in your face, except that they were following the explicit instructions and command of the Lord. Good place for an amen. But I have to give you the, the, the full story. Even though it was command of the Lord, it's not going to bring them, it's not going to bring them any peace from this. It's going to bring them into serious confrontation with the authorities, even though they're in full compliance with what the Lord told them to do. The captain went with his temple guards and he arrested the apostles. But without violence, that's very important. I'll make a note of that. But without violence, which is not typical of their day. They didn't typically treat what they considered criminal elements nicely. They should have been dragged off. They arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid of the people. They were afraid the people would stone them. They brought the apostles before the council where the high priest confronted them. Obeying the word, obeying God's command now has brought them into a serious confrontation with human authorities. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. First thought. Remember last week I said a good name for the church would be the church of high regard. And everybody rejected that. So even the Tuesday night group, there wasn't anybody in favor of that. But they were the church of high regard. And that high regard came to their advantage. The authorities were very leery that the people would turn on them instead because they so highly regarded the apostles and the followers of Jesus. So they didn't violently haul them away. And I think here's a good point. Here's a, a good thing to point out. I need you to pay attention right now. Note the apostles' nonviolent response as well. Note their nonviolent response to their arrest. They did not resist, they did not try to make a scene. They did not try to stir up a mob riot on their behalf, which they easily could have. That's something good for us to know. This demonstrates also quite a change in Peter. If you remember in Gethsemane, when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out a sword and cut off one of the soldiers' ears. Because he was ready to resist and fight and stir up trouble. And Jesus said, what are you doing? What manner of a man are you? You don't understand. And Jesus picked up the guy's ear and healed him. They learned something this time, for this time. When they, they came and they were arrested, they put up no resistance, just like Jesus. They went with them. Something to remember for us out in society. 
Okay, now this is the second offense in two days. It's their third overall. Same thing happened in chapter 2. What will the disciples do? They're before the council for the third time. Council's patience is growing thin with these guys. Do you think they'll change their response? Of course not. Peter and the apostles mean they were all in agreement. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. Some versions say we must obey God rather than man, which I like better only because it rolls off the tongue better. But we must obey God rather than any human authority. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who is in us. We must do this. We must obey him. We have that directly from God himself. And it's the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, in us that compels us to be about this mission. And another point to note for the church today. They didn't say this, but you can imagine it's there. We are willing to risk the consequences of disobeying your orders, your mandates, your bans that would prevent us from doing this. No change in their response. I think I, I have this in later, but I want to say it now. We have the right to disobey civil authority, human authority, when we think it is in opposition to what God's saying. But we don't have the right then to whine and complain and murmur and rebel when we suffer the consequences. We can make that choice. I will obey God rather than man. Then we need to be willing to suffer the consequences for that. And there are consequences. Or there can be consequences. So far, the first two times they've gotten off pretty easy. They were completely released unharmed the last time. They were broken out of prison by God this time, but now they're back in front of the council again. Peter thought of this. He wasn't whining and complaining and about what was going on. He saw this as a golden opportunity to witness right here in this situation. Honestly, when I'm under conference, when I'm under opposition or pressure, most of the time witnessing in that position is the last thing on my mind. Shame on me. And I hear laughter, but I'd like to be with you the next time you're in that position. There's no fear of man in this man, Peter. Hear what he says. Now he's in a place where they could, they could take his life at any second. And that's the way it worked back then. There was no political correctness that he had to have a fair trial and be tried and blah, blah, blah. If they decided they had it with him, off with his head. And this is what he says to him. And these are the leaders of the nation. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him. By hanging him on a cross. Then God, God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and, and savior. And he did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and forgive. Bold, confident witness. No backing down. Of importance for us to notice here. Of importance for us to notice here. The apostles did not camp on the issue of not complying to human authority. They didn't make that a big deal. We make that a big deal. We're complaining and talking about it all the time. All they did, they didn't get angry, they didn't whine, they didn't complain about what the human authorities were doing. They did not make that the primary debate or consideration, they simply stated what they needed to do. We must obey God rather than any human authority, and then back to the mission. They kept focused on the mission, and that's what 
I think God wants to drive home to us today. They kept focused on the mission, even telling the council about Jesus. For them, not complying with authority, that was not the primary issue or focus or thing that needed attention. It was the mission. That's the all-important thing to them. It's got to be about the mission. This is the main thing for us to get today. It's all about the mission. Continuing this account, because it's a long one, we're going to skip actually to verse 38. This section that goes from verse 31 to 38 is about a debate that went on within the council themselves after Peter and the the boys witnessed to him. Some wanted to kill the disciples right then. But a a man named Gamaliel, with a voice of reason, gave these wise words that are on the screen. My advice is leave these men alone. Not because he was sympathetic with Christianity at that point, but because he was very wise. Leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, it'll soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them anyhow. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The others accepted his advice. Fortunately for the disciples, the others, the council, took Gamaliel's advice. But they told him to step outside while they listened to Gamaliel, and now they called him back in. They called in the apostles, and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. I shouldn't even be funny, but human authority just doesn't seem to get it. Didn't they already try this? And also, it shows the audacity and the arrogance. They're not even willing to listen to this at all. Their minds are made up in their evil agenda. They got to snuff out this name of Jesus. Even though he has proved to them over and over again or tried to, who he is, and at any moment, and I think some of them actually do, we'll read later in Acts, but at any moment, any one of these members of council could repent and accept Christ and be on the right side of this thing. They ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. Don't jump over that word flogged. You may have heard in other messages from somewhere, if you've been to other churches, what that means. That's 39 lashes. One short of 40, because at 40, you were supposed to have died. Do you have something, Ray? Good and loud. Yes. Peter made no bones about it. You crucified Jesus. It's one of the things that got him so furious. And since you bring that up about the blood, very interesting. When Pilate wanted to release Barabbas instead of Jesus... What did those very Jewish leaders and the Jewish people say to Pilate? What did he say? Let his blood be upon our hands, our heads, and our children. The Holocaust? It's a direct fulfillment of that prophecy. And many other things that have happened to the Jews through history. They don't teach that in school. Back to getting flogged. First time they were released unharmed. This time they're each getting 39 lashes. Whipped with a bullwhip type weapon with metal shards attached to the end so that be sure to tear the skin and inflict as much pain as possible. 
didn't go quite so well for them this time. They had the choice to obey God rather than man, and they did, but they suffered consequences. Not really trying to be funny, but honestly, persecution, I'm not too crazy about. I want to see God do this with the least amount of persecution as possible. But he's going to do it. He's going to move. And these things are going to start happening around us. Lessons from these particular verses. Just 40 to 42. First lesson. They suffered the consequences of not complying with human authority. Again, we as believers have the right to not comply. However, there may be consequences, and we must be willing to suffer the consequences. It's like your dad would say, be a man. You make that decision, you make your bed, you lie in it. But notice their reaction to it. When they did suffer this flogging, they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing that God counted them worthy to suffer for Jesus. That's a kingdom mindset. See, that's the mindset of folks. Are you with me? Don't miss this. That's the, king, that's the mindset of folks who have given up earthly life and are living completely for Jesus. That's that mindset. That makes no sense to the earthly mindset. Because it's a heavenly spiritual mindset. They rejoiced that that happened to them. Not because they were, were uh, what do you call that when you like to have pain inflicted on you? Masochist. Not because they were masochists, but because they got to suffer for their Lord and Savior. They saw all that he did for them, how he suffered for them, and they were able to suffer a little bit for him, and they were rejoicing when they left. You say, man, Pastor, you are whacked out. There is just no way. I don't know. That's a move of God in you. If you're willing to allow him, that's grace. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not of yourself. But that may happen in the days ahead at some point for us. I am not preaching gloom and doom. I hope it doesn't. But to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And God is beginning to give stern warning, fair warning to the church. One of the reasons I was putting off getting into the book of Acts for so long, because I knew this kind of stuff was coming once we got in here. I thought if I could hold off on preaching it, I could hold it off from happening. No, you're not buying that? No, I think it's wiser that we preach it and hear it and we're forewarned. You know, you probably heard this before, but it fits so well, I got to tell you again. Our missionaries, CMA missionaries, you know, we're big into missions. If you're new with us or you don't know much about us, our denomination is huge into missions, reaching unreached people groups around the world. That's our thing. At home, too. But two of our missionaries were trying and trying and trying to get into Libya, and they could not. You probably heard this, but bear with me. They could not get into the country. There was visa holdups and satanic opposition, and finally... They got into the country, and the very next day, the country collapsed inwardly. The Qaddafi regime was overthrown. The, the economy tanked. There was persecution of Muslims. Well, Muslims were doing most of the persecution, but any religious group that didn't comply, they were being executed. And our missionaries that just got in the day before that happened wired back to headquarters and said, thank God we got in before that happened. Do you remember my little ordeal in the prison when my friend Wolfie gave me a few extra minutes with the prisoners and I was climbing on the cell wall trying to get out of there? If I was in Libya, I'd be like, oh no, horrible mistake. Horrible mistake. No, that's an earthly mindset. These missionaries saw that God opened the door and got us in here because these people are going to need ministered to. These people are going to be open to the gospel now and our lives don't really matter. That is foreign to the way we think, the church in America. And that's a great place for an amen. That is foreign to the way we think as the church in America. We don't live at that level of kingdom living. we got too many other things to live for in this nation. 
We love the Lord and we made him and his kingdom part of our life. But not our life. And that's going to change. Or it's going to at least have to change in these days ahead. We leave ourselves a way out. As Justin said, he always left the back door open. That way if it got a little too hot, a little too uncomfortable, a little too much commitment, he could just slip out the back door. Until one day God confronted Justin and said, shut the back door. Am I right? And he shut it. So now there's no out. He's fully committed. Come what may, there's no back door. Many of us have open back doors. And if it gets a little too hot, gets a little too, asking a little too much of us, we'll just slip out the back door. Maybe we'll slip into another church or maybe we'll just drop the whole deal altogether. Lesson number three. As soon as they were released, they continued to teach and preach in Jesus' name. They immediately returned to obeying God on mission. The apostles meant what they said. We must obey God rather than human authority. They weren't just trying to get out of something that the authorities were putting on them. They were fully intent on, you're in opposition to what God told us to do, and we must obey God. And when they were released from this, they went out to obey God. Are you with me? We're coming to a close. The apostles and the disciples, they were not in non-compliance for non-compliance sake. They were in non-compliance because they were radically committed to the mission. And they had no other choice. This teaching may unfortunately become very relevant for the church in the days ahead. The disciples chose to obey God rather than human authority. And if you look at the screen, it was a mission-motivated decision. It was a mission-motivated decision. For the, it wasn't a personal agenda-motivated. It wasn't a personal likes and dislikes. It was a mission-motivated decision that had to be made. Now, for the disciples, I want to try and bring it down home as we close. I love when you say that. I never listen to you. I don't. But I love when you say that. I'm waiting for other people to start saying it. See, then I'll have the freedom. <laughs> Steve, you're my biggest proponent of that. Take your time, Pastor. Okay. All right. Now, for the disciples, it was very obvious. It was clear-cut decision. They were forbidden by human authorities from obeying a direct command from God. They were told to stop proclaiming the name of Jesus, stop telling others about Jesus. They couldn't possibly do that. It's what the mission is all about, telling others who don't know Jesus all about him so that they'll come to know him, and then teaching him, teaching them all about him. That's who we are. That's what we do. Any word that says we can't do that, very clear cut. But here's the rub. Unfortunately for us, and this is, this is of the enemy, I am so convinced this is of the enemy. Unfortunately for us, it isn't always as clear cut as that was for them. It's more complex. It's not as direct. It's always indirect. It's always murky. It's always left up to, well, what did they really, I mean, does that really mean? Nobody that I know of has actually told us not to preach the name of Jesus yet. But they're all around it. And that puts us in this quandary. Wait, are they saying, wait? For the disciples, it was clear cut. Man, they knew what to do for us. It's more complicated and it's more complex. So I just want to give us a word. Starts with however. If or when we find ourselves in the position in which we must decide if we're going to obey God or we're going to obey man, 
If we choose to obey God rather than man, it must be for the right reason. Check the motivation. As best you can before the Lord, check our motivation. So that's not a personally, a personal agenda motivated, but rather a mission motivated decision. Jeremiah said that the human heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? We can very easily deceive ourselves in matters like this and mix up personal agenda with mission motivation. We need God to sort, of sort that out for us. Personally, I hope we don't find ourselves in that position. I'm hoping and really trusting, honestly I am, it's going to go in a different direction. But it hasn't yet. And so we may find ourselves. Draw this matter to a conclusion. This is what God wants us to know in here today. Whether human authority is greatly in favor of us. Or human authority is greatly in opposition to us. We are to be determinedly, doggedly about the mission. That doesn't change. Our focus, in good times or in bad times, is to be on the mission that Jesus gave the church. That's why we're alive. And that's to tell others about him. We've got to move that from down here on the priority list to up here on the priority list. I remember when we were first Christians and we went to a different church, And there were a lot of people in that church who had been there for a while. And you know when you're a new Christian, man, you come in and, and, and you're this radical, offensive, just all you can do is talk about Jesus. And that's all we were doing. And we started having people over, to the church, over from the church to our house for a meal to get to know the church people better. And I can remember one in particular, but this is representative of a number of the older Christians. Not in age, just they've been older Christians. They've, they were no longer new bloods. And I can remember saying to one guy in particular, man, you, you've been a Christian for so long. You must really be excited about sharing Christ at work and sharing Christ with people when you get to know them. Like how many people have you led to the Lord? And he looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language and he went, Ugh. And it hit me. Not everybody in the church is about the mission. And over the years, I think it's become less and less. Help us. We live for so many other things. And living for the kingdom mission of Christ is down here. I'm not judging anybody's salvation. But I'm saying this has to change. If we want to become effective in what God is calling us to do. And maybe, this is just a maybe, if we want to survive what God's going to do. See there, I got one of my parishioners upset, didn't I, Randy? Sorry about that. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. We stand with me? Dan, you come? Band, if you'll come. Give us a minute for everybody that's moving around to get settled. Get the band up here. I just have a comment or two yet, and then you're going to pray. Our focus is to be on the mission Jesus gave the church, to tell others about Jesus, especially as the day of his return approaches. After which, once that day occurs, we will never be able to tell lost souls about Jesus again. It's over. Dan, if you'll pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you give me the words from you to me, to our guests here today, to all the people who are here today. I ask, Lord, that you search our hearts, our minds, and our souls to be able to go forth with the mission. Seek you, Lord, for all the answers. Seek you, Lord, for what to do next. Seek you, Lord, to do what is right. 
Obey authority, short of sin. But look towards God for the right answers. For he will give you the words. I also pray, Lord, that the church turn around and start preaching the mission. And our church, CCF, continue to preach the mission. There's a lot of believers here, Lord. And Lord, we just love you. And Lord, you will lead us. Let us not live in fear. Let us not live in fear of what others say. Let us not fear what people think. Because we know, Lord, that your word is the right word. Let us all read your word. Let us all understand your word. Let us all understand that your words are the mission. Let us push forward, Lord, through you, each and every one of us, and protect us as we go for the mission. We understand that there are consequences, but the suffering that you received on the cross is not even close to what we could ever imagine. And Lord, yes, I am ready. I am ready to reap the consequences of something that I stand up and say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. My life is about the mission. I am not going to run in fear. I am not going to live in fear. Lord, let us just put our hands up to you, Lord. Say thank you for everything that you have done for us. You sent your son. He suffered and died. Then he was risen again, Lord, because of us. The least we can do, the least we can do, Lord, is just live for your mission. Lead us all, Lord, with no fear. Let us, not just no fear, but your words. But your words. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Lead us, each and every one of us, in your will. We ask this through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.